Welcome to the Second in Command podcast, produced by the COO Alliance and brought to you by its founder, Cameron Harold. In the Second in Command podcast, we talk to top COOs who share the insights, strategies, and tactics that made them the chief behind the chief. And now, here's your host, Cameron Harold. Our guest today is Glenn Ravens, VP of Operation, Randy Blackston. As VP of Operations, Randy is responsible for global manufacturing of the Sunbrella branded products. He's also responsible for the operations of five manufacturing plants with 1,500 associates. His biggest achievement includes the design, engineered staffing plan with job specs, plant layout, and machinery specification for the million square foot operations facility in Anderson, South Carolina. Randy led the corporate-wide sustainability initiative, achieving landfill-free status in all operations in North America, France, and China. Randy has an expansive amount of skills and experiences with Glen Raven, being at the company for over 29 years. Randy's also a member of the COO Alliance. So Randy, welcome to the Second in Command podcast. Thanks, Cameron. I appreciate it. Good to see you. Yeah, when, when you and I first, yeah, nice to see you again too. When, when you and I first chatted, um, it was about the Sunbrella product line and brand and I was just like, wow, like that, that, like everybody knows that thing. Is, is that your marquee product line? Yeah, that's our flagship product. The Sunbrella product was invented in 1961. And, and, and Glenn Raven, uh, once that product was invented, uh, we started, you know, manufacturing it domestically, but now we're manufacturing it around the world. We've got manufacturing in Europe and in Asia manufacturing that product as well as domestically here in North America. You guys are a pretty successful company. I mean, you, you mentioned in the, in the notes earlier when you started, so you guys started 1880. That's right. 1880. Like a hundred and 140 year old company, um, still privately held organization. And you're not a small company. Can you give us some, some idea without giving away exact details, but some rough ideas, how big you really are? Sure. You, you mentioned the domestic operations piece. In terms of Glen Raven Global, we have around 3,000 lives around the world is how we like to look at that. We have three different divisions and we do everything from manufacture the Sunbrella branded products. We also have a division that manufactures uh, fire resistant products under the Glen Guard brand. We also have a distribution arm of the company. We also have other um, brands that go into different uh, decorative upholstery businesses and uh, shade businesses as well. And and is Sunbrella like being the marquee? What percentage of your revenue might that make up, or is that too granular? And and are there other brands like you mentioned the Sungar or the uh, the fire uh, resistant stuff? Are there other brands that are as well known in in the marketplace as Sunbrella that I just don't know of? Yeah, there there are other brands. Uh, for example. In Europe, our leading brand for the shade product is the Dixon brand. So Mm. Dixon is a a company that we acquired many years ago that manufactures a shade product. So the Dixon brand, we have a a brand that you probably see a good bit. Uh, Jet skis, I know you do snowmobiling. Uh, You probably see the Sherlass brand for for those products up there. And so, yeah, there's several uh, different brands that, that, that we service uh, you know, around the world, if you will. Nice. And and what percentage of your growth or not percentage, but how much of your growth has been from acquisitions and how much of it is organic? Do you do a lot of acquisitions as a company? We've done a few acquisitions, but 
primarily a, a lot of what we've done is organic growth. In terms of the, the facility that you described in the opener, uh, you know, Humble Roots, there's about 400 people in, 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 the, in the early 90s that were manufacturing the Sunbrella branded product. And so we just, we just launched a Greenfield initiative to go out and to learn from all the different uh, manufacturing arenas here domestically and internationally, trying to understand not just how to build a world-class fabric plant or a world-class yarn plant, but taking it down to a notch, let's understand world-class manufacturing. And, and then we went on a, a voice of the customer tour, if you will, just looking at how our products were used by our customers. And so with the world-class manufacturing concept and then the voice of the customer concept, we sat down on, you know, at, at a CAD machine and design this facility. So from 400 to, you know, there, there's just over 1500 domestically. And then, you know, the, the around the world uh, piece that, that I described earlier, that those earlier designs and concepts have been replicated and expanded upon around the world. So it's, it, we, we have had some acquisition, as I mentioned, the European, um, product, the Dixon product, it was through acquisition, but most of it is through organic growth. And I just, I just had to, to do the math because I was, I was trying to figure out what a million square feet looked like in my head. And, and I'll tell you what I came up with, but I was like, is it, is it bigger than a grocery store? And, and I'm like, yeah, it has to be. Is it bigger than a Walmart? Yeah, it's gotta be. So then yes. I looked, then I looked up how many square feet a football field is. A football field is 48,000 square feet. Exactly. So the manufacturing facility that you built and launched is bigger than 20 football fields lined up beside each other. Like that's ridiculous. It's like a shopping mall. Yeah. It's huge. It's like a bigger, it's, it's like bigger than a shopping mall. That's like, that's how do you, how, like, like, I, I was thinking in my head first, a football field, that's really freaking big. And then like 10, like, but 20 football fields is just, how do you even go about designing something like that? And how many years did it, was that in the making? So, yeah, it was several years in the making. So we designed for two solid years and then we broke ground in 1994 and finished it, the, the expansion in uh, July 97. And we broke it up into four unique phases uh, we did, you know, the, the, the yarn prep and the, the, the early stages of that facility. We also then went to phase two, phase three, phase four. And when everything was complete, it was all under one roof and about three years of three years of tough construction. And so, yeah, we did that. And like I said, if it wasn't for that first group of, 400 pioneers, it would have been very difficult to pull that off. And, and these were a lot of folks that had, you know, as, as I mentioned, it very old company, you know, 1880. So we're family owned. And so that familial feel that we have in the company builds for a lot of buy-in a lot of in terms of continuity of who your team is and so not a lot of turnover and so that culture is ingrained in all of our associates and so when we we launched that first project in 94 we just kept growing and growing and growing so 
just bit by bit. And it wasn't any one individual's job. I had, I had a, a key role in the design of that and the material layout and material handling of it. But in terms of what we accomplished, it was a team effort. That's unbelievable. And, uh, one of the greatest things our, our company C, CEO and president was, was, was kind of my partner in that project. And he, hired all the people, set up all the training procedures and policies and that type stuff. And I was the, you know, engineering behind the scenes type role. And, and just together, we, we, we had a lot of camaraderie work together and, you know, here it is 30 years later, we're still, you know, doing the same thing and, and seeing the company grow at this level has been outstanding. When you, when you joined the company, you've been there 29 years. That's right. When you joined, how many people were in the company roughly when you joined? So, so, so Glen Raven, you know, in terms of size, it's still a pretty big company around 2000 people, but we have sold businesses and we've exited markets. Uh, quite frankly, we've, we've had a saying, don't, you know, don't fall in love with a mirror. And, you know, there are products that, uh, to give you, to give you a, a quick story, our, um, our, our, our former CEO, uh, his, his father, invented pantyhose invented it wow and 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 so uh had a had a small knitting plant and invented the pantyhose product and and for many years we were the leading provider of pantyhose and so but when the rest of the world viewed it as a commodity product uh, there was very little value in the brand we sold that product um you know there are within the textile industry for which I'm part of, there are a lot of companies that sell commodity products. And those commodity products, quite frankly, are the fabrics that we wear, but we chase the brand that's on those fabrics. So whether it be a Polo Ralph Lauren or a Levi, those are the brands that have the premium. So, you know, the, the great idea that the Gantt family had back in 1961 was to label the Sunbrella branded fabric. This fabric is an ingredient brand that allows you to live a worry-free lifestyle. This product does not fade. It does, you know, it resists wear, it resists water. Uh, it, it's, it's the most cleanable product that, that I've encountered. Uh, just to give you an example, the chair I'm sitting in today is a Sunbrella branded chair. The shade over my window is a Sunbrella branded shade. The window treatments in my office, they're all Sunbrella branded products. And that product gives you a worry-free lifestyle because you don't worry about it. You know, so, so if something happens, if someone were to spill something on it, you'd simply wipe it off. If it happens to really get sold as you know, in, in the boating industry, you know, you can have some pretty nasty stains and, and you can put this stuff in bleach and, and a certain detergent mix and it doesn't fade. Mm. And when you, when, when you've got a product that's that serviceable, it just helps you live a worry-free lifestyle. And the Gantt family branded that product back in 1961. And owning that brand and being married to that brand, sure, we could find somewhere else in the world to make a shade product cheaper. But we have a buy local, sell local strategy that let's make the best product here, 
with the people that live in this community. And it has served us incredibly well as we've grown this business to 3,000 folks around the world. So you have, you have said you have global operations. Yes. How much of your manufacturing is still done in the U.S.? Oh, uh, you know, I, I, I'm just throwing long, you know, you know, somewhere around 50% at least. That's amazing. Like, so, uh, yeah. and, and so the stuff that's being done out of Asia or Europe, is that mostly just being done to serve those markets then more, or is it, exactly. is it just to serve those markets? You know, when, when we went to Asia, we didn't go out there to chase, um, you know, inexpensive labor. We went out and, and, you know, built, built a brand new facility, according to, you know, Western engineered standards, uh, you know, we have very low turnover, which is almost unheard of in that region, and built a world-class manufacturing facility. We have what we call the Sunbrella brand promise. That's to have industry-leading performance metrics and everything that you measure, whether it's, you know, the, the, the fabric's durability to water, durability to strength and strength retention under sunlight. I mean, there, there, there are so many things and folks don't understand. There, there are a lot of disposable fabrics. I mean, you could go out and purchase a lawn chair and, and, and you can see them for, you know, 30, 40 bucks. Yeah. But that fabric, I've seen it many times you know, you're probably good for one summer, but after summer two, three, you know, a, a four-year-old can put their finger through the fabric. The, those polymers just aren't withstand, you know, able to withstand the test of time. And because we're a global manufacturer, we're, we're testing to the high desert. I mean, a lot of a lot of your work is in the high desert area in in, in Arizona. We also study to the um, tropical climates. So high UV, high moisture, and all of those climates that we don't know where the product's going to ship. It could be mm -hmm. on the, it could be you know the convertible top to a three hundred thousand dollar car. It could be on a multi million dollar yacht, or it could be like my office chair. We don't know where you're going to take it. Yeah. So we've got to put it to the, got to put it through all these tests to make sure that product can withstand the test of time and give you that worry free lifestyle. Lifestyle. Uh, again, back to the Sunbrella brand promise. So the Asia facility has to. I mean, is the family, is, is it still a family owned company or is it just privately held? No, it's a family owned company. How involved are the family in the business? Are they passive? Are they actively involved? Are they, are they more bored? Are they operational? No, the, 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 the former CEO is the chairman of our board. He's, he's still driving and working with us. Uh, i we've got probably, you know, four or five family members in the business doing roles every, everywhere from, you know, the commercial sales role to sustainability to, you know, supply chain. I mean, we, we've got folks throughout the company that are family members that chose to work for the business that they own. And how does the dynamic of, of being a family-owned company that's, you know, 140 years old, how does that, um, what are the struggles with that? I mean, I grew up in a family run business and then I, my ex-wife was in a fourth generation family owned business. What are the, what are some of the, the struggles? I mean, there's, there's lots of upside from it. So I, I don't, I'm not, I'm not diminishing all that. I'm just curious, what are some of the struggles and the lessons on how to make it work really well? So in terms of working very well, our, our, our group, 
our, our family board, if you will, guides the business, but we also have an operating board that that's the best minds from around the world looking at, you know, business finance, marketing, different uh, aspects of, of modern business. And that group will challenge us to make sure we're meeting our potential. And that's it. I said early in the, uh, in the conversation, you know, we, we have a, have a, have a saying, don't fall in love with a mirror. You know, we, we've got to continuously reinvent ourselves to understand what's the best version of us. And once we're doing that, we've, we've had virtually no issues. Interesting. So in, in terms of the, um, the products that you sold off or the product lines that you sold off or stopped, how, do, how does the company make those decisions? I don't think people do that enough. So in terms of products that, that we would either sell off or, or not manufacture anymore, quite frankly, it's a, it, it's a pricing game. I mean, if, 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 if you can't afford to live in that commodity world, I mean, there was a time there were more backpacks on middle school kids with Glen Raven fabric than quite frankly, many other company. I mean, you, you can think back to, when backpacks were popular in the mid eighties, I mean, probably, probably did, you know, hundreds of thousands, you were talking about a football field. I'm talking about hundreds of thousands of yards of that product every week. Wow. And over time, as that product, you know, became viewed as a commodity, if this price cannot be achieved in the market, you've got to innovate and innovation is key to that product line. I mean, in, in any product line, if you can't innovate and, 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 and declare that this is why this product commands this price, then you've got to innovate and do something in a different direction. And, and, and that's what we've really focused on, you know, in terms of the origin of the operation that I'm in today, when we first started this, we we're primarily doing shade fabrics. We didn't make we didn't make decorative office chairs in 1994. Mm. We didn't make window shade treatment in 1994. We just continued to innovate. Just, just push the boundaries of what's possible, innovate. And as you find yourself in that commodity world, and if you can't engineer price out, engineer cost out to meet the price, you've got to innovate. I mean, that's... I mean, that's, that, that's, that's part of the game. What do you focus on day to day in your role? In, in terms of my role as vice president of operations, uh, reporting directly to me, I have a director of engineering that focuses on global best practices, operational strategies, cost, uh, quality management systems. Also have an individual that's director of Sunbrella Care. And that's our customer actions point any action to the customer, you know, that after sales experience, a lot of people call it customer service, but in our world, that's umbrella care. We want to make sure that customer understands when they call, they're in the care of someone. And quite frankly, that's also our voice of the customer opportunity, just to understand how our product's performing. You, you know, you can find us, find us even in the app store. You can go to the 
you know, the app store or the, or, or the, or the Google store and type in Sunbrella Care and it, it will give you a full video, a full list of things to make sure you understand everything there is to know about our Sunbrella branded products. In terms of uh, safety, staffing and compliance, we have a direct, I have a director of HR that's focused on all of those risk mitigation points. And then each facility has a, uh, a director of operations. So in terms of my role, I'm working within that director group, you know, whether it's engineering, staffing, or within each facility, I'm engaging those folks on the metrics that we monitor this business by. Interesting. And, and quite frankly, just hire a good team, make sure they have the resources that they need and stay out of their way, right? What are you seeing in terms of globally, in ter- the differences in doing business? I mean, you've got operations in multiple countries. Are the countries similar, you know, or are there some vast differences in some areas at all? Oh yeah, there's there's incredible differences. I mean, you know, the first one that I can think of, there are cultural differences. You know, in terms of, uh, uh, you know, in in Europe, the the the, the work schedules different. You know, I mean, they they take the month of August off and think that we work short days, they work long days, and you know, but you know, in 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 terms of the the cultural differences from here to to Europe and, you know, from, from the U S to Asia, quite frankly, the thing that pulls us all together is that familial tie of being a family owned and operated business. I mean, we, we, we're all great friends and we engage each other. And for the most part, I I do not speak their language, but I try, Mm -hmm. Uh, I, I enjoy, uh, you know, entertaining them at my common places, the places that I go every day. I try to show them this is where I eat lunch when we discuss this topic and, you know, just engage them on a personal level. I've been to most of their homes. They've been to mine. And we just, it's, it's just, you know, once you get to that point, our goal is to make the best shade fabric, the best performance fabric, the best decorative furniture fabric, and 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 have you figured out a way to make it better? Do you right? take any? Do you take any of the ideas from um, the way that they're actually running their business and bring it into the North American operations at all? Oh, exactly. I'm in the middle of a a, a project right now. Uh, we've we we launched right in the middle of COVID, a seventy million dollar project uh, last year, and it was based on. Uh, myself, the director of engineering, the European director and his engineer, we were all at a, at a common uh, technology show in Europe. And, and there was a piece of technology there that caught their eye. And uh, we did it differently here in the States. $70 million later, we've got a common way of doing it. Right? <laughs> so yeah, we're... we're it, it, it doesn't have to originate in the U.S. for it to be a best practice. A best practice is a best practice. And that's much like the COO Alliance. The, the, the greatest opportunity I've had is coming to a group of other like-minded COOs and, you know, 
what have you faced this week? What are your challenges this week? And if somebody else has figured out how to work around that or how to engineer around that, we'll grab it and it's all over Glen Raven's world. I mean, it, it doesn't have to be invented here. It just has to be the best procedure. And what's interesting about that, you mentioned the CO Alliance, is you're one of the larger members of the CO Alliance, Not maybe not in terms of, of employees. I think we've got some that are around where you are or bigger in, in employee, but in terms of the revenue size, I know your revenues, I won't disclose them, but let's just say they're really big. Um, <laughs> they're, you're there learning from, from CEOs that are doing much smaller businesses and you're just extracting those best policies and best practices, which is really cool. Talk about the um, the impact of COVID. I, I've got to think that COVID had a major impact that you, I'm sure, were smart enough as an organization to navigate around. But you know, being a company that had been in business for 140 years when COVID hits, I'm pretty sure that you weren't a distributed workforce. I'm pretty sure you weren't a hey, let's all work from home company. Like, how did you navigate that? So, so. 2020 is one of the most difficult years of my life. Yeah. I, I'm just, I'm just going to lay that out there and, you know, just share that raw emotion with you today. I, I vividly remember uh, our general manager from Asia was actually traveling for Chinese new year. And we were talking about this virus that was discovered in December of 2019 and, you know, this coronavirus and what it means. And, and so we were talking about the lockdown that's occurred. And he said, Randy, I'm not in China now. And I don't know how I'm going to get home. The, the, the world's on complete lockdown. And I remember going outside that night and, and, and looking up in the sky and the number of airplanes just, you know, you know, typically you go out, you know, there'd be three or four anytime you'd look up because I'm, mm. I'm right between the Atlanta airport and the Charlotte airport. So we've got air travel constantly. They're both very busy airports, but the amount of air travel is just slowing down. And so how do we, and, and as I mentioned earlier with our director of human resources, safety is our number one goal our number one objective, how do we keep 3,000 people around the world safe? And so we immediately mobilize a COVID action team looking at what have you learned in Asia about how the disease spreads, how it travels, how you contact it, how you manage it. Uh, there, there were times, you know, I'll, I'll share with you, 80 to 90% of our associates of, of that 3,000 number, I mean, they're, they're making product. They're in facilities. And how do we keep them safe? Uh, the beauty part, to prevent color-to-color uh, migration, we have a very intensive uh, air conditioning system that turns the air over many times per hour. I mean, they're, you know, 30 to 60 times per hour. So we have this system that keeps the airflow and it's almost like breathing outside air, but, you know, early to adopt mask, early to adopt testing. I mean, we were, we, we, we found a company that was helicoptering in test kits every Tuesday to do hundred percent testing of, you know, 1500 people. And, you know, Europe had their team tested, Asia had their team tested. We're about, you know, offering free vaccinations to our team members, 
we're, you know, atomizers. I, I think in terms of uh, COVID prep systems, we probably spent three to $500,000 just on different systems, different break room setups, just so that our folks could continue to manufacture the product and be safe. And, mm. you know, we've, we've been very fortunate. We, we haven't lost a person around the world through these preventative measures. Yeah. How many, what percentage of your team were able to work from home then? Like did the office staff work Uh, from home? Did marketing work from home or, and then manufacturing? From from a commercial standpoint, those functions. And we had some, you know, obviously I was talking about our customer facing function with the Sumbrella care team. Mm -hmm. You know, when when you have a a small group that could work from home, they did. So, so accounting, commercial finance, you know, the typical roles did, uh, did, did remote work, but, you know, I, yeah, I, I think I spent a total of 10 days, not in the office in all of 2020 personally. Wow. Crazy. That. That's crazy. Yeah. Will, will the company start to hire more people remote now? Are you, will you make that change or will you go back to the way that we always did it before? So we have a campus first philosophy, if you will. Yeah. Uh, we do allow remote work, but, you know, we, we, we strongly encourage, you know, obviously if you're in a zone that that's ultra high risk, if you can work from home, work from home. But I'm, I'm, I'm thinking back to before the Delta variant came out, we were encouraging folks that could come in, you know, for, for, for this familial feel that we have within our company. Let's get together. Let's innovate. Let's thrive off of human connections. And and we're getting better at doing this via video conference and stuff. But quite frankly, you know, I've solved many more (laughs) big tasks standing in the hall, walking to lunch, that 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 incidental collaboration hey have you thought about this yeah ah, that's a great idea and and so so anyway you 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 were talking about how we are looking at the remote work but quite frankly one of one of the big biggest challenges for us is the is the launch in our brand's usage through covid you know we're bleach cleanable and how do you make sure you clean the viruses away? I mean, we've seen a huge surge in the amount of our Sunbrella products that have been used through COVID. And it's not just for, 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 for the bleach cleanable protective side of it. It's for the lifestyle that we can sell or the, the lifestyle that you can enjoy, quite frankly, right. uh, through the product. So, you know, if, you know, if, if, you, if you follow boating, is boating up right now? Yes. Is our uh, garden patio sales up around the world? I mean, there have been three or four NBC, CBS, ABC uh, television uh, shows about how the, 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 the outside lifestyle is booming in this country. And so because of that, because folks are not going inside to sit down in a restaurant through the lockdowns everyone has learned how to reconnect with their family and go outside the you know the the number of 
pets owned, the number of boats on the number of patio umbrellas, swimming pools, everything is, 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 is going towards that outdoor lifestyle. And because of that, just this year, and you heard me mention earlier about the uh, 2020 expansion, but uh, just for 2021, we've launched another multi-year expansion plan for about $250 million to service that brand. And it's just not all domestic either. So this is a, a, a global launch with new factories in Europe, new factories in the US and expansions in our uh, facility in Asia, just so that we can be the solutions provider when you want to go outside or sit in your living room and not worry about your favorite chair fading, right? Yeah. So, so it, it, we are continuously investing and that Sunbrella lifestyle. I love your obsession with that. You're always going back to the product and how great it is and the usability. And like you, you, it just feels like, like there's such a belief in it and a core around it that um, it just permeates every discussion. I love it. Is, is Glen Raven unionized or non-union? We do not have unions in our domestic facilities. And obviously internationally, there are certain uh, representation groups, but we have a great working relationship with all of our associates around the world. How, how did you, how, like, I'm glad, frankly, I mean, I think unions may have had their place back in the fifties and sixties, but when you're a great company and you take care of your employees, there's no reason to have a union. Like it actually just gets in the way. Is that, is that why you think you're not unionized? It's just, you're just a really great place and care about people and uh, again, that familial culture has, uh, you, you can see that through all levels of our organization. And, and quite frankly, we're very proud of the culture that we have. Every leader within the company, including myself, has gone through a psychometric evaluation. And quite frankly, anybody that applies, we carry them through a battery of tests. And it tells us if they're a good fit to our values or not. Quite. And, and so if, 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 if the test comebacks, not a good fit, there's not a second interview. And so we just make sure we, you know, appreciate what's going on. We listen. And, you know, when, when, when we sit down to a pile of resumes that, 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 that match our culture that have, you know, if the individuals have that skill set that we're looking for at that point in the game, we're just looking for passionate people, right? If, if, if you can find somebody that's passionate about what they do and why they did that, why they majored in this, you know, why did you major in industrial engineering or why did you major in electrical engineering or why did you major in marketing? You find somebody that can talk passionately about why they took the steps that they took in life or why they engaged this certain outdoor sport. You find, you find folks that have a spark of passion. That makes the job easier from that point forward. It sure does. It, it makes a massive difference from that point forward. I've got a question about um, kind of some of the legacy systems. You know, when a company's been around for so long, it's it must be easy to get trapped into, well, that's the way we've always done it. You know, that's the the Glen Raven way. Well, I mean, the Glen Raven way could be 140 years old, for God's sakes. Like, how do you change and, and socialize change inside of a company that that has been around for so long that may have some systems that need to be changed? 
you know, obviously we have to make sure our team members are involved in organizations that speak about change like this. I mean, quite frankly, the reason that I've signed up for the COO Alliance is to understand new systems. And I've been, you know, taking notes uh, through all of the sessions, learning about how folks track customer care claims, how folks track after sales service. And quite frankly, back to that original point that I made, don't fall in love with the mirror. Just because you do it that way doesn't mean it. that's the way we're going to do it from now on. I mean, one of our CEOs as a CEO innovated pantyhose and that same individual decided to leave pantyhose. So if we can, if we can innovate something and back out of something at that level, operating systems, uh, it, that's second nature. And, and so it's, it's just part of our DNA not to be in love with how it's being done today to continue to innovate. We do that with the products that we sell. We do that with the systems that we use. We do that with the technology that makes the product. I mean, the facility that, that, that we launched in 1994, I'm going to reach out and say probably only 30% of 40% of the technology that was installed at that period of time is still here. And we're talking about hundreds of millions of dollars of initial investments that have been retired and set aside for new technology that does it better, more efficient and a higher quality product, or it provides some feature that our customers are looking to see uh, with a new product that we don't make. And, and so it's just, I guess I can say it's just part of our DNA. Yeah. All right. Let's go back to the 21, 22 year old Randy. You're kind of starting out in your business career. Yeah. What, what advice would you have wanted back then that you know to be true today, but you wish you'd known when you were younger? I tell you, I wish you had seen that version of me. And there's still a lot here. There's still a lot here. I, uh, I would focus less on what I can accomplish. You know, and, and, you know, early on, I was a, you know, I was one of those workaholics, you know, I had a lot of great, I, I just got a lot of pride in completing projects, you know, let's, you know, early on, we've got this new concept, design a plant. Well, here it is. Here's the plant that I designed. And, 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 and it's not a me, I world out there, you know, I, you know, I had great relationships with those that were in the trenches with me during those projects. But I, I, I guess I would say I suffered somewhat with relationships across the enterprise. I wish that I had focused more on relationships with the expanded team. And, you know, through the COO Alliance and other, you know, professional development opportunities i focused more on active listening regardless of who i'm with mm. and you know I've, I've heard you say many times is it's your job with your experience is to share that experience but not an opinion and so you know today i spend a considerable more time working with the extended leadership team just from a position of support you know sharing experiences checking for understanding to the strategy and and, and, and engaging folks. So, so yeah, I, 
And, and, and quite frankly, every day I've got to understand who I was. It's the person that's going to take me where I want to go. Right. It's true. I've got to innovate myself, you know? Yep. If we're green, we're growing and we're ripe, we're rotting. That's right. That's right. Randy Blackston. Thank you so much for sharing. Randy Blackston is the vice president operations at Glen Raven. Thanks very much for being on the second command podcast. Thanks Cameron. You've been listening to Second in Command, brought to you by COO Alliance founder, Cameron Harold. If you enjoyed this episode, please be sure to like, share, and subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and our other podcast streaming platforms. For more best practices from industry-leading COOs, visit COOalliance.com.